It's generally agreed by scholars, both historical and religious, that something special happened between the years 1 and 4 AD. We can't be sure whether there were shooting stars, miracles, or three wise men, but it is beyond dispute that 2,022 years later, whatever happened in the Holy Land changed the world forever. Civilizations would rise and fall. Mighty popes and kings would bend the knee. And billions of people would view their lives with a singular reference point. The life of Jesus of Nazareth. We've reached the grand finale of season six of Blind History. Me and my co-host, Anthony Meadera, ready to bring you one last episode for this season. And um, this was a tough one to choose, but I suppose it's one of the names that keeps coming up and absolutely one of those people who's affected history more than probably anybody else that we've ever covered. Correct. I mean, sooner or later, we have to cover Jesus. There's no doubt. Absolutely. So, look, this is going to be complicated, and I'm going to say up front as a kind of disclaimer, there are a few historical records outside of the Gospels, but they really are few and far between. So if you are a devout Christian or even an Orthodox Jew or a a Muslim who's devout and you believe in whatever it is you believe in, whether that's that Jesus was or was not the Son of God, that he was or was not the Messiah – going to ask you to suspend disbelief and uh, this is called blind history and we're going to go into this blind <laughs> but we're also going <laughs> yeah, to go exactly into, we're going to go into it with a historical approach rather than a religious approach so there are plenty of stories about the life of jesus but most of them originate in the four gospels of matthew mark luke and john which if you received any kind of bible education at school in the western world you will know well and some of them have huge disparities between them Furthermore, there were, there were a lot of them were written. I think the earliest of them was the Gospel of Mark, which was written in about AD 70 and later compiled into what would have been the Bible with a few changes along the way um, by ultimately Emperor Constantine, who we've covered in a previous episode at the uh, Council of Nicaea. But let's just get into what we do know about the life of Jesus, because most scholars have agreed that he was an absolutely real person, that he did exist historically that the quest for the historical Jesus has brought up probably more uncertainty than it has reliability and evidence. And that's also because of the time he lived in. To paint a picture, I think just to start off with, to look at the time, exactly what you said that, that he lived in. So it's the Roman empire at really building towards its heart at the time. I believe it was Augustus that was uh, the emperor, but the way he was growing his empire and how he set up his empire is, is important to note. So Herod the Great, which is mentioned a lot in the Bible, was basically in charge of that particular region, to put it as simple as that. Mm. And he subsequently passed away during the time of Jesus's birth. So that changed the face a little bit. But what Augustus put in place were were prefects. A famous one related to the story is Pontius Pilate. And right. he played a big role. And, and I think everybody that, as you said, of studied or read the Bible or, or know the story around Jesus knows about Pontius Pilate. So we know that for a fact that Pontius Pilate lived. We also know, thanks to the historian Josephus, who was writing during the time of Vespasian, that 
he mentions Jesus, who is called the Christ. And that's outside of the Gospels. And he was not a fan of this newfangled religion. Uh, Josephus was a Jewish scholar and a nobleman in Judea at the time. He worked for Emperor Vespasian later on. But he also mentioned John the Baptist, who we know must have been a real person. And he refers to many of the events that might have occurred simultaneously with the life of Jesus and many of the events which are mentioned in the Bible um, as part of history at that time. The problem is that the, outside of these, and there's one first-hand account of Josephus actually watching James, the brother of Jesus, being sentenced to death, for example. Um, which puts us two degrees away from Jesus, which is quite impressive, you know, if you take mm. scholarly historians as a good reference. But the physical evidence is very hard to find because Jerusalem was completely ruined. It was totally destroyed by Titus just a few years after the, the purported time that Jesus would have died. And therefore, there are no relics that we can say for sure come from that time. There are no piles of stone that we can absolutely say were there at the point that Jesus must have walked the streets of Jerusalem. So although everybody agrees he was a real person, it's very difficult to find any evidence outside of the Gospels themselves and the work of a few historians. But I think that um, looking at similarities between the Gospels and starting to piece together, and I think that's where most of the, the evidence has come from, and then also from the Roman Empire and and during that period, you know, the Jewish nation was, there was apathy. That would be a un massive understatement. They, they hadn't ruled their own nation for the best part, I think, 68 years by that time. And, um, Herod the Great wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a natural Jew for that matter. He wasn't even part of the region. And he wasn't very popular either. Yeah. And, and then I think his sons were worse than he was. His one son, Herod Antipas, because uh, they were all called Herod. It's very difficult to keep track. He was the one who sentenced John the Baptist to be killed because his wife didn't like him. Correct. You know, I mean, this is, this is all stuff which is kind of accepted into the historical record, but I don't want us to, to worry too much whether there's too much myth or too much history, because frankly, as many people have pointed out, while we know that there were eyewitnesses to Socrates, um, many of the things that are attributed to the life of Socrates are just as difficult to prove as those that yeah. are attributed to the life of Jesus. Yeah. It's such a long time ago. Well, I don't have to overestimate or overexplain the significance and the importance of Jesus in the modern world. I mean, our calendar is based on the time he's supposed to have uh, been born. And pretty much the most populous religion on earth is still Christianity. It's spread to all the corners of the world. Uh, his influence on the way people think, on the, the entire system of education, of politics, of everything in the Western world has been so affected by the teachings of this man that it's worth just looking at the major events of his life. So obviously, um, there are all kinds of stories about the way he was born in the Gospels, but he was essentially the nativity is supposed to have taken place in Bethlehem, although he was always called outside of, you know, the, the Gospels. He's always been called, and even in, in the few sources that we have from from archaeology and so on. It's always called Jesus of Nazareth. So Nazareth Correct. seems to have been a much likelier place for him to have originated from. Well, certainly that's where he spent the majority of his childhood. Um, supposedly, his mother Mary was a virgin and she was visited by God and 
you know, gave birth to a child and this child was supposed to be the son of God. And certainly in his teachings, he claimed to be the son of God. Uh, the nativity wasn't noted by anyone else though. So outside of the religious community, no one would have taken any notice. And the, the, the Jewish scholars of the time paid no attention to Jesus until basically the time of his crucifixion. Um, Look, I think if, if uh, Mary would have come to Joseph in 2022 and said, I'm pregnant, um, but not by a human, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that would have yeah. gone down with Joseph. I think Joseph might have been a little skeptical, but you know, these were, these were different times and people were superstitious. And, and who are we to know? Because there's no way we can prove or disprove this. So that's 100% right. We, we know, for example, that, um, that at this time, as you mentioned, the, the Jewish religion was really being tormented on all sides. They were already onto their third temple in Jerusalem and that was going to be destroyed again just a few years later by the Romans. The Romans ruled with an iron fist in Judea, and the Judeans, the Jews of the time, were not exactly well-behaved and obedient servants to the Romans. They were very often and had been and would continue to be into the future, past the life of Jesus, rebellions, uh, outbreaks of violence. They did not like being watched over by the Romans and considered the Romans to be an occupying force, which is you know, doubly ironic if you consider the the situation which is now claimed by the Palestinians in modern Israel. Yeah, there was there was constant revolts and and uprisings. And when Herod, I think there was a big vacuum when Herod the Great died. And actually, one of the first competitors, let's say, or to to Jesus in a way, because at that time there was a lot of prophets around, and mm-hmm. the Jewish people were looking for a leader. And Simon of Pariah, I think that was, he was a slave to Herod and he, he actually tried to become king. So he was knocked out quite quickly by the Romans, but that was just before Jesus's birth. Well, we know a few things. We know that Jesus was a minister. There was a big gap in the Bible between kind of the nativity and Jesus is a very young man. And then when he reappears on the scene at around about age 30 and is already imbued with great wisdom, has a very cogent philosophy, goes around Jerusalem and much of the rest of Judea, Galilee, and so on, preaching uh, and drawing huge crowds. And this must have made the Romans uncomfortable, but it would have also made the Jewish Sanhedrin uncomfortable. You know, the, the religious authorities of Judea at the time were not pleased when another prophet rose up because this was kind of a mainstay in, in Jewish history. Many of those prophets are the ones who helped to put together what is the modern day understanding of a religion of Judaism. But there were loads of people vying for attention, as you rightly put it. And lots of them had all kinds of philosophies about how the world was started, how it would end. Many of the philosophies were apocalyptic. And in fact, there are scholars today who say that Jesus was one of the, the first apocalyptic prophets that he was one of the first people to kind of predict the end of the world, which has been something which so many have said since then. And it always seems to get a lot of attention from people. The minute you tell people the world, the end of the world is coming, they suddenly sit up and take notice. But he's and buy baked uh, beans. <laughs> buy baked beans or toilet paper. Um, yeah. He appointed 12 apostles, and some of those went on to be real historical figures. We know, for example, that uh, St. Paul, who was absolutely – someone who we have many references for, came a few years after Jesus. St. Paul actually met John, James, the brother of Jesus, and St. Peter. And, you know, with James being the brother of Jesus, I mean, that kind of gives credence to the fact that he must have been a real person who existed. Yeah. 
I think there's, there's little doubt. He was definitely a charismatic person at a time that the Jewish nation needed. Although yeah. having said that, that was one of the reasons why he was crucified. But there's a very strong possibility that he was real. Yeah. I mean, he also had a really unique way of preaching at the time, which was, I suppose, very attractive to people. You know, he spoke in parables. He gave kind of sound bites rather than long droning speeches. And what he said was profound. He would say a little bit, but he, he would make sure that it really hit home. And therefore, I think we can take from the Gospels, certainly that there is a correlation across all of them in the way that Jesus spoke and the things he spoke about and the style of of speech that he delivered. And certainly that is part of his original appeal. But we also have to remember that it took Christianity a long time after that to get off its feet or to get up on its feet and to start becoming a real power. I mean, 300 years later, it would be the biggest religion in that part of the world. And Rome would have to bow to Christianity rather than the other way around. But I think as well that the big thing about uh, he exhorted his followers on, on the compassion and humility side, mm. you know, and that was something that people really needed. I mean, living in those times was brutal. You know, life was cheap and um, you could be killed at any turn. And somebody that came in with this to look at the weak and the downtrodden and looking out for the poor, that resonated definitely with people. I mean, there was... Uh, People were really, really poor in those days. Mm. And unhappy because, as we've already explained, you know, life was very hard. But also Jesus made a promise of a better future and a better future in the afterlife, which was something very few people got right before then. I mean, what he'd say to people, for example, is, you know, the blessed are the meek sermon, which he gave. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Or he'd say things that directly were you know, middle finger to the authorities and the wealthy people, you know, it is easier for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle, you know, to kind of then to get into the kingdom of heaven. These kinds of things were massively appealing to ordinary people at the time. And the fact that he preached about love, for example, whereas a lot of religion up to then had been all about do this or the terrible things that will befall you afterwards are going to make you take the knee. You know, in this case, it was kind of, I am the pathway to love. I'm the pathway to a better universe hereafter, a better afterlife. And that kind of thing, obviously, people loved. But also, on the other hand, as you rightly said, also earlier, provocative, because there were people that were making a living out of beware, you, you will be punished if you do this or do that. I think it's famous in, in Jerusalem, where we went into the temples and he just he went into the second temple and turned over there their money tables and, and everything that they were selling because he yeah. said they were all false prophets and they were disrespecting the house of the Lord, you know? Yeah. So he looked for, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have a problem causing trouble. And no. in fact, this idea that Jesus was this meek and mild guy is also completely false because if you look at some of the things he said, the guy was all for the sword in the right situations, you know? Famously, he's supposed to have done a, a whole lot of things that were miraculous. Um, you know, he's, he's meant to have turned water into wine. He's meant to have fed many thousands of people with fish and bread. He's meant to have risen from the dead. And walked on water. The most incredible miracle available to any human being would be immortality. And Jesus is supposed to have cheated death um, and ascended back into heaven. And Christians have been dealing with what that means for mortal human beings ever since. But yes, I mean, an incredible, incredible life. And a life filled with 
stories that make him very human as well. You know, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane. These are stories about someone who went through a tremendous amount of anguish, who came face to face with his own death and knew it was imminent and decided to go ahead and and not resist. I mean, you know, he was betrayed by Judas, um, all of this stuff, which any student of religion will pretty much know by heart by now, is supposed to have happened towards the end. And then famously, the crucifixion, which is probably the most horrible kind of punishment that the Romans could enact upon anyone at the time. And the symbol of that crucifixion has become probably the most well-regarded symbol in the world, even though it used to be a symbol of the most terrible thing. Yeah, what made him so human was, God, have you forsaken me? Right at the end, he was actually crying out to be helped. You know, he, mm. right till the very end, he was asking God to take him out of the situation. So it was a very real, extremely painful time and very brave in what he did. And also coming into Jerusalem on that Passover weekend on a donkey, that was provocative. He knew he was going into the den of the lion. Mm. Well, I think he'd accepted by then that this was his fate, and he probably knew or had some suspicion that his story would be told over and over again, and it's probably the most told story of all time. The Bible is still the best-selling book of all time, and that is in no small part due to the stories that are in the New Testament, the stories of Jesus. Obviously, early Christianity was very different to the Christianity of today. I mean, for example, there was no such thing as celibate priests or fasting or any of those things. A lot of this stuff was brought in by the authorities later on as a way to kind of mold the way people behaved. But, you know, Jesus and his disciples ate well. They spent uh, as much time around women as they did around men. A lot of the apostles were married, certainly in the beginning. They might not have been married towards the end. But Jesus is supposed to have also spoken Aramaic, which is, of course, the the language that was spoken in that area at the time. But he could also speak Hebrew fluently, and uh, may even have known a little bit of Greek. His disciples were not terribly well-educated people. I mean, you know, Peter's supposed to have been a fisherman. And so their ability to write complicated letters, which also part of the New Testament, is called into question by many historians. They say, look, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of this that is attributed to the apostles, but may not have actually been them. But then it's also practicing Jews. So there were certain things that come up from thousands of years prior, or let's say hundreds of years prior. So, you know, there was circumcision. There were all sorts of things that were, were very, very important to the Jewish nation. Mm. And he was, he, you know, first and foremost, he was a Jew. Absolutely. And there are many people who say, well, he was only really preaching to Jews and he didn't intend for his gospels to reach Gentiles. It was more St. Paul's job to spread the word of Jesus to the non-Jews. And that may have been the case too. Again, how will we know with so little to go on, but the gospels, we have to piece together what we can from the story. I mean, it's, it's undoubtedly the case that in all the world's religions, there are these messianic prophets who come and go. But I think it's also undoubtedly the case that Jesus has had an unbelievably outsized influence on the world. And now we're counting on what, 2022 years since the time of his birth, which has to be a record for any human being. And if there was a human being and it was a mortal human being at that point, I don't think you can say that there's anything but success in the ultimate story. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just phenomenal how it's come. And to work out why John the Baptist, who was probably more prolific in terms of sermons, in terms of preaching, why he wasn't the son of God, etc. You know, it was mm. it's incredible that Jesus Christ was set as such and has built such a, such a massive legacy. Yeah, I mean, there are even modern writers like Reza Aslan who have uh, an interesting take on Jesus, that he was a, a scholar and a teacher, but that he was nothing divine and that much of his messaging was as as regular as any of the messaging you'd find. I think that's probably a bit of a tough pill for a lot of Christians to swallow. And many of them, famously, there are Christian apologists in just the last century who made extremely good arguments for why Jesus and his teachings continue to be the best moral authority for human beings on earth today. Um, you know, th- these are, these are people who have mined every possible source material. Of course, we've discovered uh, a number of other gospels that were left out of the Bible um, by the, the Byzantines. And many of those gospels are now being integrated back into Christian thinking. There are the Gnostics, for example, who have a very different view of what Jesus and his life story may have been. There are also plenty of fictional uh, accounts of the fact that Jesus may even have had a family and may even have been married and all kinds of other things. And again, we can't say for sure because there's such a dearth of real evidence. But, you know, if anything, and what is brought to the, to the world is compassion and, and love, humility, and looking out for, for your fellow human. I mean, that's, that's all positive stuff. Yeah, and you know you can equally lay at the at the door of Christianity many evils: the conquests of Spain and many other parts of the world, the Inquisition, the Crusades, the behavior of the Catholic Church in the modern era. You can say that all of that is an outgrowth of a kind of Christianity, but I don't think you can blame Jesus for any of that. No, and I and think that, that, those are just not serial killer nut jobs that are using religion as their you know, as the backdrop. Justification. Exactly, yeah. So I think a lot of people have very interesting views about Jesus. There are also a bunch of people who say that he had, you know, mental health conditions and that maybe he was, uh, you know, like Nostradamus, he had this ability to, to prophesy things, but he was, he was maybe a little bit ill. I mean, there's some controversial things people say. They talk about this, this, the Trinity idea that there's God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a very complicated thing that all the greatest Christian scholars have been debating for thousands of years now. But in the end, we know that this man must have been a real person. There's general agreement about that. He must have lived in and died in the area around Judea and died in Jerusalem specifically. There are places in Jerusalem. Most of them were pointed out by Constantine's mother, Helena, that were supposedly the places where Jesus was crucified, where Jesus was buried where he ascended into heaven, just like Muslims venerate places where Muhammad is supposed to have ascended into heaven, where he was born, where he is buried. The the difference is that we actually have a tomb for Muhammad. And in Medina, you can go and visit the tomb. Of course, no one's going to be brave enough to open it up. But should there be a body in there that would put them in a better position than Christianity? Because Jesus's body is supposed to have ascended into heaven completely. It is curious that the Romans, who were pretty good record keepers, and the Egyptians, where Jesus' parents are meant to have fled to, and also were excellent record keepers, don't mention anything about Jesus. 
they don't say a thing. And you would think that if there was this rabble-rousing troublemaker, which is the way they would have seen him, or this incredible spiritual teacher, which is the way many early Christians would have seen him, they would have at least made mention of it in an otherwise, you know, just rebellious and dangerous province. There might have been some interesting kind of sidebar conversations. Whether or not those have been lost to time, we'll never know. But Suetonius, Tacitus, Cassius Dio, they don't mention him. But they do mention St. Peter or Peter. Um, yes. And, and they do mention Paul. So, and they mentioned the Christians. So we know yes. that there must have been an origin. Agreed, 100%. So it's, it's, it is difficult to put it together. And also they're coming from an angle of, they called them gent, gentiles in those, in, you know, in those days where they, where, um, they're not part of the Jewish faith. They've been supporting Apollo or whatever it might be for, for yep. the best part of a thousand years. So it's, it comes from a completely different place when they're reporting on that side of it. Well, in the end, I don't suppose there's a better way to end the season than on the high note of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who's, uh, you know, in, in the historical record as being probably one of the most powerful and influential people, certainly one of the most requested people in all of blind history's history, supposed to have lived between 4 BC or thereabouts and AD 30 to 33. So he would have been around during the time of Emperor Augustus plus probably a little bit of Tiberius if you're looking for a comparison in terms of time. Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. During the medieval era, relics were... A huge cottage industry. I mean, you could buy, you know, one of the nails that was put through the hand of Jesus. You could buy the crown of thorns. And in many Catholic churches all over Europe, they still have and venerate these objects. And our whole business has come out of that. I mean, the amount of pieces of the cross that have been found would have been able to build a ship, you know, <laughs> so it's, there's always people looking for opportunity.